Ladies, ladies, you don't have to wait for someone else to show enthusiasm for you. You can do that for yourself. We can do that together. Welcome to the Cup of Glow podcast. I'm your host, Gloria Darling, your sassy 60s milestone diva, and I have the t-shirt to prove it. The Cup of Glow podcast seeks to entertain, inform, and inspire you through serial stories and discussions prompting you, the milestone diva in our midst, to own your power. During our current series, She Has a Story to Tell, you'll hear from several milestone divas as they share their powerful stories with us. Success is in their past. Each day is a new opportunity for these ladies to chart the course of their future adventures. In this episode, I'm speaking with Kelly Broderick, who loves to dance. Kelly loves teaching dance and learning dance. Also, raising and training crazy little dogs. Her common theme there is the nonverbal communication. But we're so lucky today because Kelly is with us to share her story. Kelly, tell us what you like so much about dancing. I began dancing as a very young child, and my family put me into classes because I just love to move around and to dance and to twirl. Um, And I don't know what part about it I love. It's just such an integral part of my life. The few times that I've stopped dancing and I haven't taught, I've missed it so much. I've had to find a way to go back and to learn different dance forms. I now am on my third kind of dance form, having done the traditional ballet tap jazz as a younger person, then doing Middle Eastern flamenco and um, hula and then I had always wondered how couples in social dance managed to tell each other what they were going to do next. And just a couple of years ago, I began taking social dance classes because I had always wondered how partners communicated with each other on the dance floor. I was so used to the traditional choreography, knowing what came next, that working with someone else and having to get cues from them on what we were going to do, um, I was very interested in learning how to do. And I'm not good at it. I tend to try and lead, which I'm not supposed to. But after so many years of teaching, that's kind of the role I've fallen into. Well, that's kind of hard because somebody has to be the follower to make the dance really look so smooth. And when you say social dance, for some people that's also known as ballroom dancing. It's ballroom. I actually began with West Coast Swing, which I came to find out was one of the most difficult forms of social dancing. But not everything's the strict ballroom that you see on um, the dance shows, the waltz and the um, two-step, that kind of thing. Um, Swing is a little more casual. West Coast Swing is very casual but very intricate. And the thing that really was difficult for me is that it's very often done in a series of six counts, whereas most music that the Western world works with is in four and eight. So that was a whole new thing to me as well. I like West Coast Swing. I think it's so cool. It just looks 
so smooth when people do it. And you're right. I think the dances that look the coolest and the smoothest are the hardest to get through. But then I relate this, as you say, social dancing with a partner to American-style tribal dance where there is a leader and a follower. So that's probably why I like the tribal dance better because I started with the social dance many years ago and then gravitated towards the Middle Eastern and Oriental and American tribal style belly dance. So I like that leader follower thing. And I don't mind being the follower in dance, although I have a strong personality otherwise. (laughs) Well, of those, you said you like the West Coast swing and the ones where you can allow yourself to be the follower. Which other dance style do you like? I I don't know that there are any that I don't really care for other than the nightclub two I find difficult to do. It's a fairly new form of social dance that's performed a lot at weddings. Um, it's just, for some reason, it does not come natural to me. The I would like to do more tango. I think that's a lot of fun because you get to be very slinky and very stern, and that's kind of my style. I'm not really a happy-go-lucky kind of person. Um, And that's true of West Coast Swing because it's what they call a little bit of a slinky dance that you have to be down into the ground and very smooth. Um, And that's the kind of thing I like uh, as opposed to the polka where up and bouncing around, I'm not too bouncy. No. No, and sometimes your mood that day, at least for me, my mood has to be upbeat for something like that, all cheerful and all spunky and everything. You also say you enjoy teaching dance, and I, full disclosure, I have to admit that I'm taking dance lessons from you now, and we're doing flamenco. So how enjoyable is that experience for you? I like teaching. I As a young dancer in my 20s, I thought the last thing on earth that I ever wanted to do was to teach dance. It just was not one of the things that interested me. I wanted to be a dancer. Um, Then when I was injured and had to find an outlet, I started teaching dance. And I admit that I was not very good when I started because I was so used to the professional level classes that I was taking in New York City and and in a professional dance school that I had a hard time when I started teaching kids because to my way of thinking, when you got a correction, it was telling you that the teacher thought you were worth working with and that it was a very, very positive thing. And professional teachers don't, do a whole lot of praise. They give you the correction and you know that was your praise. But children don't see it that way. Um, They see it as being picked on. Um, And that took me a a while to really work out. And I think one of the things that helped me the most was that I started training dogs. And when you train dogs, you really have to give positive reinforcement. Negative reinforcement does not really work much unless you're in a a position where you have to give some kind of negative feedback because the dog is being um, fearful, aggressive, doing really things that could injure it or injure people. 
but having to find a way to communicate with the dog and get them to do the behavior that I wanted them to do um, really helped with my teaching that I learned how to give positive reinforcement. Although I, I admit it's uh, that's still some a work in progress for me. Well, I'm certainly glad you've learned to adjust to the positive feedback because I don't want to sit there pouting the whole class because I'm doing something off the wall and not correct. But how does teaching older people, because most of the people in the class I'm in that you teach are, I would say, milestone divas. We're all over 50, and the youngest one might be in her 40s. (laughs) So how does that compare to teaching little kids who can't take criticism very well and the older? It's a different dynamic um, with People that are older, they obviously can take correction. They do need positive reinforcement. Uh, they're more intellectual. I think the, the issue between teaching youngsters and adults is that adults want results right now. And you have to keep saying, that's okay, we're working on it. It's a work in progress. Whereas children are just like all out there. And they're going for it, and they don't really have expectations of perfection. Um, The one class that I don't teach anymore is adult ballet because it is so tough on an adult's body. And adults want to, to be a ballerina right away, and that just doesn't happen. Their bodies aren't really able to do it, and then they get very frustrated because they can't do what they want to do. Whereas kids are like, okay, whatever, I'll just, I'll do something. Um, so that's, that's easier. But it is, uh, teaching adults is, is easier because uh, you can communicate a little bit more about the finer things in the dance. You can talk about the attitude that you need to see as opposed to just the steps. That makes it a lot of fun and gives you the extra cultural history and everything that's really enjoyable when you're in a class, especially as an older person. I have a greater appreciation for dance now that I've studied a few dance forms that's heavily based on the culture of the region the dance is coming from. Well, Kelly, you mentioned raising dogs and what you have to do to train dogs. So we'll just segue into the discussion of your other passion, raising dogs. What type of dogs do you raise? And tell us about them. I have a very rare breed. It's called an often pincher. And often means monkey or ape in German. And pincher is just the German word for dog. And they're called the Offenpinscher, first of all, for their looks, because they're supposed to look a little bit like a monkey. And that's pretty much how they act. They can climb. They can get into anything. They're very, very intelligent. They are certainly not for everybody, uh, because they can be difficult to housebreak. (laughs) Call that impossible to housebreak. And um, they are sometimes smarter than the people that call them their pets. What do they look like otherwise? Is it a certain type of fur? Do they have long hair, short hair? Is it certain colors that people look for in that breed of dog? 
For a while, most of them were solid black, maybe with a little white patch on their chest. They're small, somewhere between 8 and 12 pounds, little square dogs with a shaggy coat and a little fuzzy fur. Um, my mother always used to say it looks like someone plugged their tail into a light socket, and they went, whoop. Um, if you think of Toto in The Wizard of Oz and size it down, that's kind of what an Offenpinscher looks like. Size it down. Toto was small enough. You're saying size it down. What about, how does that compare to a chihuahua? Is the chihuahua bigger or about the same size? The chihuahua is smaller, but the Toto in the film was a Cairn Terrier, which is um, maybe five to ten pounds heavier than an Offenpinscher and a little longer than it is tall. Well, but that... it's the same kind of look, a scruffy little dog. When those dogs are delivered when the mama dog has a litter that's the proper term yes i'm learning today when the mama dog has a litter how many little babies does she usually deliver at once the general size of a litter is about three but you can get anywhere between one and seven um, if you get seven they're generally so small that some may not make it um, if you get one it may be so large that it can't be born naturally and has to have a C-section. So you generally are hoping for about three and four. Uh, that's one of the reasons it's so rare is because they don't have the large litters that a lot of the sporting dogs like Goldens or Dalmatians have. They have a, a very small litter because they're a very small dog. And the puppies, when they're born, are very often three to five ounces. So they're teeny tiny and very, very fragile. Why did you pick that breed? Because they're, they're kind of cute, but they're so fragile. I actually did not pick the breed. Um, my mother wa was training in obedience, and she wanted a very rare dog to show, and so she started flipping through the dog books and decided the Affin Pincher was a scruffy little critter, and she wanted one of them. And we went out and found one for her, and... Um, then she got another one, and then we had puppies, and that's kind of how we got into the Affenpinscher business. <laughs> it's a business, is it? No, it's not really a business. It sometimes feels like it because it is an extreme amount of work because I have several of them. I do breed them. I do train them. Um, used to show them not doing a whole lot of shows right now, but I hope to get back into it because I do have a bloodline that is recognized across the country and uh, have one out right now that I think is ranked third in the country. Oh, very uh, good. I, I don't own him. He is owned by someone else, but he's doing quite well. But his lineage, lineage will go back to your home. Your, yes. You touched him. I birthed him, yes. What I is did. his name? Um... He's called Chewy for Chewbacca, of course, because they, they look kind of like Chewbacca. Um, and his name is Afpint Omsange. Oh, my. Uh, monkey Man in French. That sounds, it just sounds better when you <laughs> say it in French. Yes. Yes. 
I'm not going to even attempt to say it. I would butcher it completely. But that's quite interesting. Yes, indeed. Kelly from dancing, social dance, to Affin Pinchers, the rarest, cutest little teeny tiny monkey dog. Quite interesting. Well, Kelly, we really appreciate having you with us today. Is there anything else that you do or are extremely proud of that you want to share to help encourage women who are 50 and older to own their power? What could you share with us? I would just say that go out and try new things. I'm an extreme introvert, and I had to really work up the courage to try social dance uh, I'm very used to the studio dance, learning in a studio where you can be solitary and no one cares, but to have to interact with a lot of people in a social dance class um, kind of terrified me. And then I came to find out that I took several classes around Tallahassee, and the people are, were extremely wonderful, and I've met a lot of great people and just had a wonderful time. So even if you're single, the way the classes are set up, you get to dance with lots of people, meet lots of people, and it's just a lot of fun and has really opened up my horizons. Well, thank you, Kelly. We really do appreciate you being with us. At the Cup of Glow podcast, we advocate for embracing every day as a new day, birthdays included. It's all about you and your powerful self, enjoying your life as boldly and as lively as only you can. I'm in my sassy 60s, and I love it. Today's program was brought to you by Replay Fitness, helping women age 50 and older to find their power. Thank you so much for joining us today. We believe that everyone has an opinion and we want to hear from you. What was the most interesting or fun thing you've done after age 50? How did you celebrate your last birthday and which one was it? Please email your comments to us at info at replayfitnessinc.com. Until next time, this has been the Cup of Glow podcast with Gloria Darling, your sassy 60s milestone diva. It's about a decade and not a decade.